0: Hello and welcome to the show. This is the Sales for the Nigerian Business Person podcast. So, uh, subscribe once you're done listening to the episode. It's available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or any podcast player of your choice. And when you're done, remember to give me a five star review because so far I'm giving you more value than what you have paid for because this podcast is absolutely free and you have paid absolutely nothing. Now, today on the show, we're going to have a detour to handle one of the most popular objections that you're going to hear in your business. And that is when people say things like, that is too expensive, Um, your price is too much, I found someone cheaper, are you trying to bankrupt me, are you trying to recoup all your profits from me, I beg things are not that critical, you know, whatever different variants that you've had. Because people can say all sorts of things, whether it's in English, in Pidgin, or uh, in your local lingo, but uh, the crux of the matter is they're trying to say something. And what they're trying to say is that the price that you have quoted, uh, the price in your proposal, um, whatever it is that you put out is too expensive. Now, when we're done looking at this objection, then we're going to go back to the audience question from Bernadette Motsambiwe, because uh, I haven't forgotten that we were on that. Uh, But the reason why I decided to do this was because I received one of those um, that's too expensive um, episodes and I figured, sorry, not episodes, um, uh, one of those objections um, in real life. After I'd uh, written up a presentation, sorry, not a presentation, a proposal um, for corporate training, and so I figured let's just use that as a case study, since uh, I'm a fan of using um, real-life case studies, whether of other people or uh, whether it's me. Um, Yeah, so I'm open to using my myself, my mistakes, and my mishaps as case studies as well. So before we begin, uh, definitions. What is an objection? That's for those of you who are newbies listening to the show. If this is your first episode, the older listeners, you already know. So let's go, um, let's give a brief definition for the newbies. Now, an objection, when we're talking about sales and um, personal selling, those sorts of things, maybe even in marketing. Okay, no, not marketing. Let's just say um, sales and personal selling. These are reasons that people give for not going ahead or for not taking the next step. Those are also concerns. Uh, that people have before they can make a purchase from you and then it could also be things that people want um, you to sort out before they sign the paperwork sometimes it's misconceptions that the customers have about your proposal about your offering about your industry about your package you know blah 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 so whatever it is that is stopping them from taking the next step those are things that we call objections so if a customer doesn't want to drive to your office for a meeting because you're in a heavy traffic zone, that is an objection. In this case, you've met them, you're at the uh, bridal store or wherever it is that you've met them, that's your wedding photographer, and you say, oh, the next step, um, if we're vibing so much and uh, looks like we're making progress, then the next step is you come over to the studio so that we can uh, have a meeting to review samples. You propose that, they say, okay, yeah, that makes sense. They ask for their address, you tell them, and they say, oh, Uh, The traffic in that area, man, that traffic is harsh. That's an objection. So we have to attend to this before we can get the relationship or we can get the business transaction to go ahead because you're not going to move your um, studio location from where it is just because um, they want to buy. So this is a considerable concern. It's a considerable objection. It's a considerable whatever it is that you want to call it, um, that we have to um, attend to. Now, of course, there are different solutions you can offer to meet at theirs. Uh, let's see what else. You can meet at a halfway point, um, different things. But I'm just using this to show you how there are times when, whether for substantial reasons or flimsy reasons, people do have concerns about why they can't take the next step. Then, if the customer says that the price is okay, but she says that your workmen look dirty, like they'll mess up her living room and not clean up after themselves, then that's also an objection we have to look into before we can uh, move the deal along. Now, this doesn't apply to people who are wedding photographers, for instance. But if you provide uh, carpentry services, um, painting services, uh, plumbing services, electrical services, you know, those sorts of things, then it's a concern that somebody has now if you want to get the thing moving along um, smoothly you have to look for a way to address those concerns whether it's to tell uh, the madam of the house that oh don't worry my workmen are very neat in fact if you check out our uh, 4.9 rating on google you'll see that people talk about how clean we are and how we leave the place clean and everything or you can say oh don't worry ma, that's not a problem when the people finish i have a separate crew that comes the next day to come and clean up and blah 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 but you get the picture there's a concern right here and that we need to address that concern before the deal moves on. So now we've looked at situations where um, the objection might be uh, um, traffic, you know, location of your office, or maybe the uh, they're afraid about uh, the mess that your workmen are going to make. So what do we do about when someone says your price is too high? You definitely have to tackle issues around price and value. Let me repeat price and value it's a two-way thing before the negotiations can resume because if somebody is saying your price is too high and you keep on trying to plow through you're ignoring something um, that is critical over here the person thinks that something is off when it comes to the price and the value um, equation now are objections a bad thing not always there are some people who hear an objection and they get demoralized so if you give a proposal and they say your price is too high some people just get sunken and they get sad there's no reason to get sad It's the same thing with the workmen. Your workmen uh, look dirty. You don't need to get sad. And you don't have to get frustrated if they say, oh, your office is in a high traffic uh, place, so I don't want to drive there. So objections are not always um, a bad thing. But they do show that there are some fundamental matters that we need to attend to before we can make progress. So whether it's people don't want to be stuck in traffic, they don't want the house to be dirty after the work is done, or they don't think they're getting enough value for how much it is that they are paying. So it's just a signpost. It tells us that there's something fundamental that we have to pay attention to. Now, there are times that an objection could be a sign that there is trouble ahead and it's now time to divorce the customer. For instance, there's some of you that have been in the situation and i have been in that situation um, where people object on price and then you make three concessions. They say one five is too much, and you say okay, no problem. Let's do it at one three. And then it's now time to uh, pay the deposit. And they say, you know what, uh, that one three self, I beg that one three is too much. And you guys, I go back and forth. And you say okay, no problem. Bring one two. And then it's now time to pay, and they say, you know what, that one two price, that one two is too much. In fact, you know, apart from that, I even have this thing that we need to attend to. That thing that we need to attend to. Now, in that situation, it is a sign. That this is the kind of customer you should run away from, because you've made several concessions, and your quote is probably lower than whatever the cheapest industry standard is, but yet they're still complaining and they're looking for things to um, heap on board. So in this case, an ejection might be a sign that the co- yeah, this is a customer you want to divorce and run away from so objections not always a bad thing they are definitely signposts that we need to pay attention to some things but sometimes it's a sign that this is a customer we want to run away from so like i said why am i talking about this kind of objection today It's because i got it recently and would like to share um what i think is the optimal mindset for dealing um, with this now there is no one way there are different ways of doing with it and we'll explore some of those in time so My assumptions in tackling the question today is that even though you might be a first-time listener of the podcast, you are definitely not a newbie when it comes to business. So you have done business before. Because if you're a newbie, then you might actually run into the problem of guessing at prices and your prices might seem unreasonable for your level, for your expertise, you know, things like that. Because as at this time of recording, on the uh, 2nd of December 2023, that's when this episode was recorded, nobody is going to pay a first-time photographer 500,000 Naira for wedding photography, whether in Abuja or my guess is whether in Lagos. It's just not going to happen because if you're a first-time wedding photographer, you have no track record, you have no previous clientele, you have no uh, portfolio that you can show, you have no trading history to speak of, you have no uh, Google reviews, you have absolutely nothing. Now, I know of these kinds of mistakes because this is a mistake that I made myself. Because when I first started off in wedding photography um, close to a decade and a half ago, I charged several hundred thousand on my first um, quote. And of course that didn't work out. But then it now made me freak out and go the other way. And I made the other mistake of taking my first wedding for 50,000 Naira. But let's remember that was 15 years ago. Well, even for then 50,000 Naira was low, but that's the story for another day. But bottom line, I'm just trying to say that if it's your first time in business, yes, it's possible that because you want to shoot for the uh, fences and you know you feel like your top dog or whatever you might not give a price that actually is too high and doesn't reflect your expertise your um your previous clientele your trading history uh, your track record you know things like that so yes newbies they do make that mistake you come in and you see that uh, madam this or or got this person is charging 1.5 and you think okay it's my first year in business but who cares i know i'm as good as this person i'm going to charge 1.5 it doesn't work that way. Now, for my present scenario, I wrote out a proposal for a three-week engagement at uh, just over four hundred thousand naira. Then the usual objection came in. You know, there's no way that we're paying four hundred and twenty-five k to at this time to train um, two members of staff. Now, like I said, uh, most people hear, that and hear this and then they become sunken and they go into defensive mode. Now, that's not the way to handle these sorts of things. My recommended approach is this. You have to re-qualify and do rediscovery. Now, those are technical terms. If this is your first time of listening to the show, uh, after you're done listening to this episode, just search qualification and then search discovery within uh, my podcast. Now, you'll find other podcast episodes that go into depth about what these things are. But in summary, what I'm asking you to do is ask questions to be sure you understood the scope of the problem first. You also have to be sure that you understood what they were trying to achieve first off, you also want to understand what the deficiencies with um, your proposal that you have on the table so let's go over that again i want you to be sure that you understand the scope of the problem first i want to be sure that you understand what they were trying to achieve and then any deficiencies with the proposal on the table we'll get to the price thing yes but when we ask ourselves these sorts of questions or rather when we ask the potential customer these sorts of questions we're getting to the root of the value um equation so let me give you the results of my re-qualification exercise and my rediscovery. So they thought that my proposal was for a limited engagement. They thought maybe it was going to be a day or two to train uh, two staff people. Now, if you look at it that way, you show up to an office to talk to two people for 425k um, only for uh, a day or two, an hour each. Yeah, maybe 425,000 will be on the high side. So. I walked them through the actual ambit of my proposal. That this was something much more longer term. I was contemplating three weeks, but since it was a retail establishment, I thought it could run into four, depending on how much traffic we have um, in the store during the sessions, because it was going to be an on-site um, training. Then, on the number of staff contemplated, I pointed out that um, in the proposal, I had pointed out that four people compulsorily really had to take part in the training. as the two sales associates, uh the head honcho um, of the business um and also the right hand woman of the ceo i wanted four of them compulsorily to be in the training because there's no point in training up the staff and then or God the top doesn't agree and then um uh the main administrator doesn't agree it's just a recipe for confusion so it was compulsory the four of you you guys have to be there from beginning to end every single session but then i was also open to the manufacturing staff and delivery staff to join the training because delivery people also have customer facing functions because you might do a good job you produce wonderful stuff the store looks correct everybody is well trained up uh but then you send out um, your delivery guy they show up in the alcada, and uh, you know they don't look clean they sound rude they sound crass and they do a poor job and that's where your um the uh brand perception and the brand affinity that you've been working so hard to build that's where you guys start um losing um on that so i wanted the delivery staff to be there but at the very least four people compulsory open to um anybody else now the reason why i take that approach is because i don't use training materials i don't use print tech text i don't use books i don't use stuff like that so my actual costs don't change whether i'm training four people or eight or 16 so for me that was not a problem now, I also included in the, quote, um, activities that would help them discover their ICP. Oh, sorry, one moment. My attention is required outside. I will be back in Jiffy. Okay, I am back. Sorry about that. My attention was required um, outside. So, uh, let's see if I can remember where we were. Okay, so I was at the point where I said that the my since I don't use printed material and things like that, my actual costs don't change, and so because of that, I'm flexible. Uh, whether I'm training um, four or six or ten or twelve um, or twenty, so um, okay. So I also included that uh, I wanted to help them discover the ICP because having a chat with uh, the organ in charge and having a chat with um, the uh, the two IC, uh, that's the personal assistant um, of the CEO um i didn't get a sense that they um knew who the icp was and it's essential because until we know who the ideal audience is we don't know how to come up with a plan to start chasing those people down with our sales and with our marketing activities then i also uh, made a provision so that i could come up with um sales sales um sop that's some standard operating procedure because they have a high staff turnover and it doesn't make sense to spend um, a bunch of 100,000 on training staff only to have half of them leave later on. So it's going to be a waste of um, employer um, engagement. So sorry, employer investment. So my solution was to create an SOP so that the head manager, the second in command, could onboard future staff without my help because it will be part of the recruitment process. Um, but uh, people who are uh, being considered for the sales job uh, to work in the store or other customer-facing functions would have to go through the material and be part of the interview process. People would require to go through it, be sure that it's um, stuff that they think that they can do. Um, It also would be a good way to weed out the less motivated candidates because if you're hiring someone for a sales role and then you also have a standard operating procedure and you show them the standard operating procedure beforehand, People who think it is a whole lot more that they're willing to do will swiftly up out. And people who, although might have been good intentions, didn't quite understand the scope of what you are asking them to do would now um, drop off. So chances are this would also be a good um, recruitment uh, tool. So um, I was only able to address these concerns on the value equation because I asked them some questions. Uh, When was it that you guys wanted your training um, uh, to begin? What were the deficiencies in what I put um, out in the plan? Uh, What did you like about the proposal? What do you think we could have done better? Blah, blah, blah. I was only asking those sorts of questions that I now knew exactly where to um, address and assuage uh, their concerns. Now, of course, uh, that didn't stop the uh, second-in-command from from, uh, fishing around. And so... She asked me pointedly, can you do anything for us in terms of price? And my answer to the question was, sure, I can. But then remember the episode that we made on not making unprincipled concessions, I said, sure we can, but we'd have to take items on or off, depending on how we modify the terms of engagement. So if you want a lesser price, we have to take things off the quote. And from what you've seen, I was anticipating something beyond just coming in two or three times a week to talk to two people. Yes, I was going to come in, um, even if it was only two people, but it wasn't just about training these people up. It was also about coming up with a standard operating procedure and also helping them identify the ICP. In other words, I need to come and train them up, but then also make it possible for them to train up people on their own without having to call me um, all the time. That's the whole point of making sure that we have the ideal customer avatar. That they can look towards so they know who they're chasing. And then there's a standard operating procedure. There's a reference thing that they can look to to be sure are we doing this right? So you don't have to call up Tavishima all the time. So that was my response. Yeah, sure. We can dance around on price, but we might have to take things on or off depending on how we modify the agreement. So, lower price, we take things off. You want more things added, then of course the price will have to go up. Now, the resolution was simple and reasonable. They said, okay, let's talk in Q1 of 2024. Now, I had already established from the previous um, questions that uh, the engagement that they had in mind, uh, they wanted it to be uh, January of 2024, um, first quarter, which is kind of reasonable because in Nigeria, we had elections, the fuel price went up, and that um, it it affected things uh, negatively for lots of businesses. So uh, people just found overnight the cost of um, production um, quadrupling. Uh, depending upon um, whatever it is that you um, you have um, you know if you're in the manufacturing space, you know things like that so from the elections up until um, now people have been trying to grapple with a couple of things what is our new um, cost of doing business, how much are our cost of goods uh, how much manpower can we have uh, where are we going to cut costs or where do we have to increase prices to um, to recoup on margins you know things like that those sorts of things. Anyway, um, my prognosis was they wouldn't go ahead because they're in the middle of uh, more staff layoffs. So for the staffs that they have, they're going to sack about half of them. So I figured this is not a priority for them right now. So honestly, I don't think that in Q1 of 2024 that they'll be ready to go ahead. But regardless, I gave a suggestion and I tried to do some value add. I told them to use listen notes and listen as in L-I-S-T-E-N and then Notes, N-O-T-E-S. I think it is spelt as one word, but if you just Google it, you'll find it. Now, Listen Notes is a podcast um, curating website that is integrated with AI, um, artificial intelligence. So using Listen Notes, I told them that they can search for relevant podcast episodes from my over 730 episodes that we have so far to get uh, topics that are uh, that the customer facing staff might need to learn and then you can use these podcast episodes in weekly and staff meetings and it'll be a good way to handle um, sales training until they have the budget or the headspace, to hire a consultant uh, because in this case you can see that budget was not the only um, constraint if it wasn't constraint at all but um, they also have headspace issues because like I said, rising cost of production, the want to sack half the staff, you know blah, blah blah. there's lots of stuff that is going on at the moment. They're trying to increase prices, they're trying to sack staff. It's juggling a lot of things, especially for um, uh, small and medium scale um, enterprises in um, Nigeria. So um, that was my own, um, that was my own suggestion about how um, they could get by. So um, yep, Q1 we'll have that conversation uh, of 2024. Uh, But in the meantime, this is how you can get value from me for free and train up your team. So if you sell luxury leather artisan-made handbags and you think your staff don't know how to handle price objections, just like how I handle price objections now, then what you do is you use listen notes and then you search within my podcast. You look for topics on customer service. You look for uh, topics on price. You look for topics on handling objections. Then you get your staff to listen to these episodes and then you guys discuss at your next weekly staff meeting. I'm assuming that you guys have weekly staff meetings. If you don't, it's something that is recommended, especially from the sales and marketing side. Once a week, you call the people. You guys have a chat. This is where we are. These are our numbers. These are our goals. Um, these are the people we talked to last week. These are the people we should talk to this week. This is what we need to do. This is what we um, have outstanding. It's good to have this sort of meeting uh once a week or maybe once what's that word bi-weekly once every two week, uh two weeks with your staff but i recommend once a week because if you do the bi-weekly thing something happens you travel somebody is sick you know those sorts of things and then before you know it you found out that for the last two or three months you guys have only met uh you know twice in three months or something and that is not good so you get your staff to listen to the episodes and then you guys get to discuss what did you listen to what did you think this is what i think blah 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 Now, um, it might not be the best, but even this alone is going to give um, tremendous um, results because at least you get people now thinking deliberately and thinking um, practically and in a process-oriented manner about how to grow sales. Because up until now, you find that most of your staff who you've hired to sell for you have been using um, idea or have been using packaging. You know, if I dress right, if I wear the right kind of suit or if I use the right kind of makeup or if I learn how to pronounce my words better, then I should be able to close the deal. So, yeah, all those things are important. Your suit, your makeup and uh, your enunciation, all that is good. But there's a whole lot more. You need to know um, the process. Now. In case your people are not listening people, they don't like listening to stuff or watching YouTube videos, that's not a problem. You can get AI um, on different sites Uh, on YouTube. It already has a, uh, what's it called? Uh, What do you call this thing? This thing that produces... um, uh, uh, texts it listens to speech and then it reduces it to text um, subtitles yeah like subtitling so you can use that subtitling function to get the text from YouTube and then for listen notes um, you can also generate um, transcripts so all you have to do is just use listen notes and um, use the AI there I think it's a paid service um, as at the time of this recording I don't know if they have a free option but if you're a business owner listening to this episode just check out listen notes and you find it's, it's handy like I said It's um, thousands of podcast episodes, so it's not just my 730 podcast episodes you find there, but any other um, sales consultant or business consultant that you respect or you admire, if they have a podcast, it's definitely on that site. So if you generate the transcript of the episode, you can print it out for all your staff and then use those as talking points at the next staff meeting. Okay, so for customer service issues, when somebody calls in, they're angry, they want to return the bag. What do we do? You know, so you look at the uh, the thing, and you say, okay, uh, according to this podcast, these are the principles for handling customer service issues: principle one, principle two, principle three. Uh, scenario one, scenario two, scenario three. What do you think? And you guys have a nice healthy argument. And um, the most important thing is, like I said, people are now thinking process oriented. And they now know principles, things that they're supposed to aim for instead of everybody just using their own um, idea or their own, you know, how they feel for the day. So if somebody feels happy for that day, then the person is polite to the customer. But then if the person feels like they've had a shitty day, then they tell the customer, like, hey, shut up. Who do you think you are? Um, I went to school as well. You won't talk to me like that, you know, blah, 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 blah. Now i'm not saying that your staff should tolerate abuse but i'm just saying that there's an objective way for handling these things regardless of whether you woke up on the good side of your bed or whether you woke up on the bad um on the uh on the bad side of your bed so um these are some other things that you can do if you're listening to the show and you've been thinking about using me for um training for your staff and you think that my prices are too expensive these are options that are available you can have the benefits of um, sales training and consulting for your organization for absolutely free just by using the episodes on my podcast. Now, searching within the podcast is kind of hard. That's the reason why I recommend Listen Notes because once you get to Listen Notes, you can search sales for the Nigerian Business Person podcast my podcast will pop up you click on the podcast and then my podcast now dominates the whole page and then you go to the search function and you search there and now the search is now happening within my own podcast and then you can get to hear all um, my opinions and the materials that i put out there on pricing or whatever it is that you're working on and then uh, you can now use that to organize your um, staff training and uh, you're going to get tremendous benefit from that now the only cost to you is going to be this that's the cost of transcription if you don't want to put your people through the hassle of listening to the audio. And then, uh, okay, of course, the cost of uh, paper and printer. If you're going to be printing out for your staff, let's say you have 8, 10 staff. Then you're also going to need time to organize the meeting. And then, of course, I'd recommend that you buy Fanta and Coke for everybody. Or, you know, Fanta and Bonds, or, you know, whatever. If you're a bougie organization, maybe you buy pizza. But organize, I recommend that you do something around that. So you can see that the cost is minimal. Fanta and Coke, paper and ink. And then uh, the time you guys sit down for one hour or one and a half hours to have a conversation. And you can see that uh, it's something reasonable. So remember, it doesn't have to be my podcast. You can do that with any business or sales or marketing podcast. So long as you agree with the methodology, you agree with it, you think it makes sense. Listen notes. It's a catalog of thousands of podcasts. And every single of one of my 730 episodes are there, so it's not just me, anybody you, uh, you respect. If you're a Pat Flynn person, okay, Pat Flynn is more like online marketing. So if you're a Pat Flynn person, go to Listen Notes. It's all there. Click the AI thing, ask for the transcribe. You get it there, you take it, you discuss with your staff. So that's it. Anyway, um, summary, back to uh, the situation. So how did this meeting end? Everyone was happy. I'm still friends. I'm still friends with the second in command and I'm still head with the head honcho. I'm still head with the um, CEO. And the thing is, whether we do business together in the future or not, we're still friends because I did my best to handle the objection adequately um, and professionally without taking offense, because there's some people who will be seriously offended. Like you look at me up and down. I told you 425K. I'd even say 60K. So you rate me as if I'm a riffraff. You know, some people do um, take offense at those sorts of things. So we're still friends. There's no malice. And if we run into each other um, socially or professionally, it's not a problem. Nobody feels taken advantage of. They don't feel like I pushed them into an unconscionable contract. Unconscionable contract. Sorry. In fact, I haven't tried to um, give them value um, uh, uh, regarding the circumstances. And I don't feel like I had to make any unprincipled concessions. So everybody's fine. There's no farm and there is no um, foul. So are there other ways to handle these price objections? Sure. And we're going to um, explore them in future episodes. But for now, uh, let me just give a simple outline. Number one, when people give an objection, um, listen, don't get angry. Don't get defensive. Um, It's not about you. People are just looking at things from the price value equation. If they can, they would like to get as uh, as much as what they can uh by paying the least possible it's just a human thing you do it too so please business people stop getting angry when people give you the price objection it's just normal you do it too you get into the store you see this samsung tv and you're like wow this tv is sweet it's um it's uh it's uh, 20 20 feet long and blah 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 you ask the person the person says it's five mil and you say ah 5m bros i beg, will we take 3.2 it's normal you do it so don't get angry then ask questions and then delve deeper. That's why I was talking about um, discovery and then qualifications. You want to be sure when you're asking the questions, are you talking to the right person? Do they have the authority to sign off on this thing? Do you understand the problem right? Did your proposal fall short? Were there some things you didn't understand? Um, uh, Try and figure out what are the other things that you can include uh, to remedy the situation. And then you also need to figure out if they have a problem um, that is worth solving. Because if you're talking sales training to people and they're in the middle of laying off half of their staff. And they're uh, trying to battle with uh, the rising cost of uh, production and energy costs. You know, it's possible. Do these people even have a headspace for this problem yet? So you need to figure out, you know, where the headspace at, where they are. And if this is a problem, um, um, what's solving? So people trying to get a handle on fixed cost and on variable cost, you know, ETC, ETC, those sorts of things, they probably don't have a feel like they have a problem that is worth um, solving um, for now. Then, of course, you need to figure out if they're still interested. And then with the new information that you have, you can now craft a proposal. And remember, no unprincipled concessions. If the money goes down, ask for something in, in, in turn or else you're going to go into this engagement with anger and resentment, and it's not a good recipe for success. And it just means that the future fight is already fermenting. It's already brewing. They will say something and before you know it, you know, they will say A, you will say B and then before you know it, this quarrel because you feel taken advantage of that. You came in here with a 125k proposal and you guys have go back and forth and, you know, they rate you as if you're nothing. And so you took 125 and then you thought three weeks, but the thing has now spilled into five. And you're now thinking this idiots, I'm here. I only, they only gave me 125k and here I am. I'm still spending time with them five weeks later. And, you know, these things can go um There's a way that these uh, things can just, um, what's the word, escalate. So remember, uh, I'll say overall, be pleasant and be understanding. So let's just recap. Listen to the objection, ask questions, and delve deeper. You need to understand what's going on. Figure out, are they still interested? With the new information, craft a new proposal. And then after that, oh, and then don't make any unprincipled concessions and then be pleasant and be understanding. But my ultimate warning I'd like to give you guys is this. Let's remember that there is no such thing as too expensive, okay? There is no such thing as too expensive. There is only... This thing is valuable or this thing is not valuable enough for the price. Now, this is an example. I was chilling with my friend, um, Niamaka of uh, Magnesi, They are an Abuja designer of bespoke um, artisan leather um, bags. Artisan. Is it artisan? Well, handmade anyway. As in it's not a machine thing. So um, lots of love and care gets um, put into these sorts of things. So I was in the store and then the lady walked into the store and I was eavesdropping on the conversation. The lady compared a particular model of the bag. So I don't know if you call bags models. Anyway, whatever you call it, she looked at a particular model of a bag and she compared it to a Balenciaga and they talked about quality and the leather and this and this and that. And then the lady promptly on the spot bought one and then placed an order for two more that were yet to be produced now if you ask me, I would never pay hundreds of thousands to buy handbags because I, me, Tavishima and Yede would say that is too expensive but the other lady looked at these things thought they were as good as Balenciagas or whatever handbag sorry forgive me Balenciagas are not even bags I know it was one of these fancy um, Italian names so I'm sure those of you who are handbag ladies you, you know I'm sure you get a sense of what she was talking about so the other lady looks at it and thinks, man, these are as good as Bansiaga's. And she's like, give me this one and then give me two of this other one. So, oh no, these two, yes, they're on the catalog, but they're not out yet. And I say, no no, I'll pay three handbags. So this lady thinks it's a bargain, but I, Tavishima Yide thinks this is too expensive. Now, is there really such a thing as this is too expensive or Tavishima thinks there is no value in this, while the other person thinks this value makes mad sense. So don't take it personal. When someone says um, you're too expensive, it's not a job at you. It's all about price value equations that are relative to particular people. So if you refocus the conversation uh, and redo the proposal, you'll be fine. Or if you Um, Disqualify the person And look for other people Who um, Are much more educated Or who are much more in tune With these um, uh, Value prerogatives Then You'll do okay So If you sell Balenciaga bags And somebody like Tavishima Ajede, Me I walk into your store Don't say because You listen to my podcast And you like me And you respect me If I say Man this is too expensive You know what you need to do If you can't refocus The conversation Find a way of Shifting me out of the store So that people Who value it Can come in And buy people who find it um valuable so don't waste your time being offended that i walk into your store and i say this is too expensive because after all there's some things that i would buy that some other people would never buy because i love um swatches but some people like swatch like why are you buying this watch it's not plastic watch buy a casio well hey i like my swatches So it's just one of those things. So the next time somebody tells you you're too expensive, just calm down, breathe, take the time out to try and figure out if there's no value uh, for them in what you offer. Now, if you can make the value equation, then go ahead. If you can't satisfy the value equation, let them go. Uh, because if you try and force through, there's going to be plenty of quarrel and disf- uh, dissatisfaction that's brewing in the future. So that's it for today. That's all, folks. Remember to connect with me on WhatsApp or Telegram. Hit me up on 080 2140. The country code is plus 234. That's for those of you who are sit- um, hitting me up outside the shores of Nigeria. Also, connect with me on LinkedIn. The name is Taveshima Ayede. You can confirm the spelling of my name and email address on the website where you're listening to this episode or the profile of the podcast app where you're listening to my voice. Of course, you see my details there if you um, decide to check out the podcast on Listen Notes. So thanks for your time and attention. I will catch you guys at the next episode.